call our pastor up to the platform. Hallelujah. 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 Holy. Holy is your name, Lord God. Nobody like you, Lord God. God, we honor you today, God. God, I don't want to take this for granted, Lord God. I'm just grateful for the presence of the Lord. I'm grateful for the presence of the Lord. I'm grateful for the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, I worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Mm, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. I feel like the woman who had an issue in her blood. I feel for 12 long years has been too long of me being touched by the Messiah, the healer, the redeemer, the deliverer. I feel the frustration of the woman who went to every position. I feel the frustration of every soul that has not touched the power and the glory of God today. She said, I don't care what the Republicans think. I don't care what the Democrats think. I don't care what the community thinks. If I can just get to the name of Jesus and touch Jesus. She wasn't to be in public. She was supposed to be away from everybody. When she came amongst you and I, she was to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. I ask you today, how many of us today come to the house of the Lord 
who should be screaming, I'm unclean, Jesus! I'm unclean! Oh, my mind is not right. My heart is not right. This pandemic has destroyed my closeness and my relationship with the Lord. My fear has got in the way. Jesus, if you were to walk in here today, would I make it? If you called me home right now, would I make it into the kingdom of God? We welcome each and every one of you to the house of the Lord. We welcome our online guests, saints of God, children of God. like you to remember Kiesia. She sent me a text a little while ago. She has hurt her foot. It's very swollen. like you to remember Frank Thompson. He sent in a prayer request for a friend of his that is now COVID sick and on a ventilator. We will have a baptism today. Brother Jose is being baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'd like you just to remain standing for a few minutes as we read the Word of God online. I'd like you to stand in your home, wherever you may be reverence of the word of God if you're traveling and on the road then I'm not asking you to stand but turn with me to John 6 15 through 21 again we welcome you to the house of the Lord May the Lord richly bless you for being with us. I want to thank Bishop for his message last week. What a tremendous job Bishop did. It was so good to see people in the altar last week. I, I, I watched the service. Even um, I kind of viewed it a little bit while I was in service, and then I had to get off for the service where I was. And so I'm grateful to Bishop. His message was on time. Thank God for the worship team. Thank God for the sound team. Thank God for those that came and responded to the word of God. Um, if you turn with me to 
no one said it once already, but John 6, 15 through 21. The Bible says this, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was come, now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed above five, about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Um, God was dealing with me uh, in preaching to you today. Um, I feel online and in the house of the Lord that with pandemic, uh, with the lack of being in church, that many people are in storms. And so I titled this today, How to Make It Through the Storm. I believe people are so deep in the storm that they don't even know how to get out of the storm. I believe people are so distant from God that they don't even know how to get back into his presence. I'm, I'm just here to preach the word of God. This is what God gave me. Many of you are in a ship. It's being tossed and turned. You don't even know how to get out of it. You cannot control the storm. You cannot control the ship. But you're in a storm and you're having trouble trying to focus. You've even become to a place, you've even come to a place that you question whether there is a Jesus anymore. You've come to a place that you've even, you've thought yourself to be, well, what did I ever serve God for? Because you're so distant from God that you cannot feel the presence of God anymore. You call on Jesus, but yet you can't feel him in your presence. You call on Jesus, but there is no move in your circumference in your room. You become distant because of the storm that we have been in. I wonder how many of you this morning find yourself in a storm that you cannot get out of. It may be a storm that has been unexpected, that has changed your life. It's changed the direction that you once were in. I come to you today. It may even be a storm of tragedy. We do ask you to pray for the Joneses. Uh, today because of the great loss of their family it may be the storm of failure or fear which God does not bring failure and fear into your life he brings power and glory he brings light that changes fear I'm not telling you you won't fail at some point we're teaching on things that happen the nine tests but I am telling you there's going to come a time that you're going to have to be able to grasp a hold of the power and the glory of the Holy Ghost and know that you've got Jesus. You say, Pastor, there's no storm in my life today. Uh, yeah, great. I believe that too. That's I, just telling you, everybody's in a storm. They want to look, walk around going, man, I'm fine. Look at me. 
I'm still going to work. I'm fine. Huh? I, I can call on Jesus. I listen online. Or I get this, and I, you know, I, I feel the presence. I get the chill bumps. Uh, that's not enough. I've come to tell you, your storm is going to take you out. Uh, but God's people have to get to a place uh, that they say, I don't care about the storm anymore. i got to see Jesus. Many of us say it's all smooth sailing. I don't have any troubles. You remind me of the church a sign that read, if you have any, if you have troubles, come in, come in and tell us about them. If you have none, come in and tell us how good it is to not have any. Let me tell you something. There's no way to escape the storm on your own. Job 14.1 said, man who is born of a woman is a, a few days uh, and full of trouble. That means trouble and situations are coming your way regardless of where you are in your walk with God. I don't care, but I'm telling you, if you don't have Jesus in your sight, if you can't just reach out and touch him, there's going to be a storm that takes you away. One type of storm we can identify with is the storm of fear. That's where we're at. We're in the fear of the pandemic. The pandemic, uh, we walk, went into mom and dad's house, Bishop, and seen the first lady yesterday just to visit with them for a little while. I never thought of it like this. Of course, my wife and I wore our mask immediately. She said, her, put on your mask. Well, we already had our mask on, right? So I'm going, that's a little bit strange. And she immediately came out. You don't know who they go around. So in my mind... The fear. I'm not talking about senior first lady, but what I'm talking about, the pandemic has put people in such a fear that they don't want nobody coming in without being masked up. But I got Jesus that has masked me around, has put his arms around me, and is protecting me. <laughs> Neighbor called me. Well, actually, he didn't call me. I was texting everybody. We had an incident in the neighborhood. I said it on Wednesday. A young man was all doped up and tried to break into Sister Brittany's home. She called us immediately. We jumped up off the couch. We started heading down. And as we were going out, I was in the dark. I don't know how the tree shaded me, but the tree put me in the darkness. My wife walked around, and he, he saw my wife, this kid, come, come up there. He said, I'm going in your home. And used profanity. Immediately, I jumped out of the dark. I said, oh, no, you're not going to use that profanity around my wife. And you're not going in my home. My wife, he started running. My wife screamed, in the name of Jesus, sit down. That boy dropped just like a ton of bricks. Indian style. Sat right down in the middle of the street. It was like the power of God knocked everything out. Broke the chain of spiritual drugs that was on this young man next thing i know he was back up and running again but the bottom line is immediately the power you don't know the power that you have in the name of jesus i be I, let me be transparent i went i wanted to do that 
but I was running after him. She said, in the name of Jesus, sit down. Dude just, bam, right on his behind. No socks, no shoes, no shirt. Power of God began to flow. He didn't know what to do. He just sat right down in the middle of the road because their power in the name of Jesus. If God's people would rise up every day and say, in the name of Jesus, I cover this body. I cover this, this uh, airway. I cover this temple of yours. Protect it in the name of Jesus. You and I would walk out into the highways and the byways and actually, actually be the church. But fear has come up on the church. Fear has come up on God's people. We're in a storm of fear, the pandemic fear, which is destroying your faith. One day a lady approached evangelist D.L. Moody, told him she had found a wonderful Bible promise that helped her overcome fear. She quoted Psalms 56.3, What time I am afraid... I will trust in you. Mr. Moody replied, I have a better one than that. He said, then he quoted Isaiah 12 too. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Tell you the difference in scripture. Changes the whole atmosphere. It changes your whole mindset. It changes the way we act as children of God. It changes the way we operate in the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you actually heard the difference, but the difference is, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. What time, uh, she was like, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. He said, nah, God is my salvation, and I will trust in him. John 6, we find the disciples full of fear. John is not the only gospel writer to record this event. Both Matthew and Mark give us the same or some details in the, this storm that John didn't record. But let me just go through so you know the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000 to get, clear, get a clear picture of what happened that day. You need to take in account that what Matthew had said and Mark had said in Matthew 6. I'm sorry, Mark 6, 45 through 46, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before, un, before unto Bethesda while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain. Now, now as we le learn how to make it through a storm, as we learn how to make it through the storm, the first thing we read about here is the departure of the Savior. Mark tells us in his account, Jesus departed. Now let me show you another uh, uh, about the departure. It said straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethesda while he sent away the people. Now, you know, uh, don't think that Jesus didn't know what was about to happen. All right. That's right. If we think that Jesus was caught off guard from pandemic and the lack of people showing up to church, that didn't catch God off guard. 
It didn't take, it didn't catch him off. He already knew who was not going to be here today. And let me say this real quick, an infomercial. I'm sorry to interrupt God. Please forgive me. But if you sign up online, please either come or call us and let us know early that you're not coming so we can take your name off so someone else can come. But we only allow 45 to sign, register, and that gives us five guests uh, open. We can have 50. Uh, uh, thank you. So that's it for that infomercial. But if you think that this pandemic has caught Jesus off guard, no, no, no. if you think that, that the, the changes in the, the government has caught God off guard, nothing is catching him off guard. The problem is it's the church that's been caught off guard. It's God's people that are caught off guard. It's God's disciples that have been cut off, caught, caught off guard. We have become weary and fearful of the things that are going on around us when we need to take a stand and be God's disciples regardless of what's coming our way. There's never been a time when Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Understand this, Jesus sent his disciples into the storm. You say, well, if Jesus really loved them, he would have never sent them in the storm. Well, then you don't really know Jesus. I've been talking about nine tests. I'd almost adventure half people that has listened to it go, I've never been through that one. Well, praise God, I guess. I pray you make it through one of some of the tests. You know, there's a day coming that Jesus is going to split the clouds of glory, and he's going to call his people home. And, and, and as he sees Alan Reynolds, and I'm going to just go and say it like this, when he sees Pastor Alan Reynolds, I'm going to come up before pa Jesus, and he say, Pastor Reynolds, and say, yes, sir, reporting, sir. He's going to say, I've got an account of you. Okay, sir, I believe I've been a good Christian. I believe I've walked the walk. I believe I've talked the talk. I believe I've stayed the course. I mean, even during the pandemic, God, I have stayed the course. I, I haven't fallen away even though I wanted to quit. Even I haven't left church even though I wanted to quit. I, I've been a good disciple of yours, God. I, I, Lord Jesus, I just want you to know, I have, I, I'm sure that everything is good on the pages. And he goes, well, I'm glad you think that way. Pastor Allen, you know, I, I think I saw there were some things you didn't repent, repent of. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Wait a minute. I pray all the time. Oh, well, don't say that, Pastor Allen. I've kind of watched your prayer life. I've kind of watched who you don't witness to anymore. I've kind of watched that you have become fearful of things, that you, 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 you're fearful to stand up and and say what, what I want you to say, that you've kind of, you, you took a side road instead of going down the straight road and, and telling the people they need to get their acts to right and get their acts together and telling them they can't live like they're living, they can't sin like they're sinning, they can't walk in this world the way they want to walk because I don't, it's not my will for them. But Jesus, I, can, I can't make them serve you. You know what, you know, come on now, Jesus. I, I've been, I've tried to preach, uh, Pastor Reynolds, he said, I really, I really hate to say this. He said, there was a time my notes show that you were really on point. But you begin to let down. You begin to back up. 
He said, and for that, Pastor Reynolds, for that, I have to tell you, I don't know you anymore. Depart from me, for I know you not. Your place is in hell. The reason I use my name is because I don't want to offend any of you, even though it's going to be the same for you. Online, it's going to be the same for you. If you have not made your life right with God, we have lost sight. The storms, the world storms have come into our lives. Money storms have come into our lives that we would not even recognize because we've become so distant from the power and the glory of God that we don't even recognize that we've fallen in love with money and not Jesus. Oh, but my website shows, my Facebook shows that I love Jesus. Jesus said, Pastor Allen, you showed me you loved me, but there wasn't enough. You weren't sold out enough. I listened to one preacher. He said, if you don't think you're going to be persecuted now that you've been online, he said, you better wake up. I call sin what sin is. If I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be persecuted for his name's sake, not any other reason. I'm going, to, I'm going to make it into heaven one way or the other, without an eye, without a hand, without a tongue. I don't care what they do. I'm making it into heaven. There's never been a time when Jesus didn't know what he was doing. You say, well, it was, if he really loved us, then he would never have put us through that. Uh, then you don't really know Jesus. You see, it become, it beca it's because Jesus does love us that we go through the storms. Amen. And let me ask you something. When do you grow the most spiritually? If you, if you understand the storm, if you truly understand the storm, and there is no fear, you immediately drop to your knees and begin to seek the very face of God. And you begin to call on the name of Jesus for strength, the power of the Holy Ghost. You say, God, many a times this is what's come out of my mouth. God, I can't do this alone. I, I feel so alone. I feel despair. I feel frustration. I feel the wilderness. I, I feel uh, failure. I feel all these things, Jesus. I'm not able to come through this without you, God. I'm not able to. I, I feel I, I haven't even been able to lead your people. And he comes in the very moment that I'm about ready to say I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I need you. And then without you, I can't make this trip anymore. This journey, I just can't do this journey anymore. And he comes into the midst and he says, lay all your heavy burden and laden on me. He said, I've come to bring you through this, not for you to do it alone. He said, I've come to carry you. I've come to help you. You are not an island under your own. And because you have realized that, that you cannot do this on your own, that's why I've stepped back into your storm because I am coming to bring you out of the storm. When is your, your faith dependent the most? When does your trust in God grow the most? During the storms, during the crisis times of life.
There was a lady in the church. I read this in one of the books I was, I've been reading. She went to the church. She was going through a storm. She said to her pastor, she said, I, I love the Lord all my life. I've loved him all my life, but these past couple of years, I've, I've spent more time in prayer than perhaps in all my life combined. She said, it is the storm that has grown me. She said, it was the storm that grounded me. It is the storm that has stretched me and strengthened me. It is the storms that have drove out roots and my, drove out the evil roots and brought your roots in me and made them deeper than they ever were before. So I ask you this, why did Jesus go to the mountain? There's a couple reasons to escape the pressure. John 6, 15 said, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. They had a bad case of king fever. They wanted him to be the king there on earth, and he knew they wanted him to be the king. They would have loved to have marched into Jerusalem for the Passover celebration with Jesus as their king. By the way, they couldn't make him king because he was already king. <laughs> In fact, Jesus was king, and he is king, and he always will be king. Amen? You didn't vote him in, and you can't vote him out. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Now, I hope you can remember that. Jesus had just fed this crowd from five barley loaves and two small fish that the little boy had brought in. They had witnessed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. There was an excitement in the air, but Jesus knew that the timing was not right, so he departed into the mountain. So I ask you, you know, I was, had a little bit of recreation the other day, which is unusual, and I got to go with Pastor E.B., we went four-wheeling, and we went back on, I don't even know how many acres it was, tons of acres. But God began to show me things. As I'm riding, I begin to find creek rock. You know, creek rock is, um, they're not, they're, they're like a, a washed stone, much like the ones that I write things and thank God for. I build a memorial with them, I, I write things on them that God has done, testimonies of God. And I'm riding through this vast area, and in my mind I'm going, dear God, I need something to get rocks. I need to get some more rocks. I need to get some more rocks. I, I wish I had somewhere to put these rocks. There, there's some that were just small, and then there was some that were that big. And, I mean, I'm going, God, I, I have so much to thank you for. You know, I have so much to give you glory for, God. You know, to just, I begin to look, and deer ran across the, the trail where we were riding, and, and I'm going, dear God, your animals still give you glory, you know. You know, if you know a deer, when a deer gets scared or spooked and it runs, its tail comes up. That, you know what that is to me? I know that's a signal of they're frightened, and, but it's giving God glory. It's waving to God. <laughs> and it's waving to you too, but it's waving God, giving God some glory. Mark 6, 46 says, Jesus got alone to pray. Sometimes you've got to get alone to pray. 
So I ask you this question. If Jesus needed to get alone to pray, do you not think that you need to get away and get alone and pray? Friend, the secret to prayer is prayer in secret. The tragedy today is not under unanswered prayer. It is unoffered prayer. I'll say that again. The tragedy today is not unanswered prayer. It is unoffered prayer. When was the last time that you really prayed? Today? Yesterday or last week? Prayer was a priority for Jesus. Mark 1.35 says, So the first thing we read about in Mark 1.35, And in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. The departure of the Savior, number one, the departure of the Savior. He departed to escape the pressure and engage in prayer. Two, the dilemma of the saints. Now, this small band of believers really had threefold dilemma. They begin with there was the distance from the shore where they were. Matthew 14, 24 said they were in, a, in the middle of a, the Sea of Galilee. There were, they were too far out to turn back and too tired to keep rowing forward. Perhaps you find yourself in the middle of a storm today, if you admit to it. And like the disciples, you're physically worn out. You're physically tired. You're physically exhausted. And we can turn that into the spiritual aspect of being spiritually worn out, spiritually weak, and spiritually tired. That when someone comes to you that needs prayer, you're so physically out of touch or, or spiritually out of touch with God that you don't even think to say, well, let me pray for you. Or you don't even spiritually think to say, let me just tell you about the goodness of God today. I understand you're in a storm. I understand the situation you're going through. But let me tell you about the goodness of God. And you may be in a storm at that very moment. But you can go, I remember when the Lord brought me through. Amen? And whatever that through is. I didn't have a job at one time. God brought me through. I had no money in the bank. God made a way for me to work and put money in the bank. I didn't have a wife at one point. And God put my wife back in my life. Many of things, right? I, I, I was sick, and God showed back up and healed me in my body. So only, but not only were they in the middle of the sea, they were in the middle of a storm, and perhaps you find yourself in the middle of a storm today. And like the disciples, you were physically worn out. You've been rowing and straining, doing all that you know to do, and it seems that the storm is succeeding. You prayed, but you never felt it go past the ceiling because you've been in a wilderness test. You said, God, it's your will. I believe it because the door is open. But did you really ask God, for real, is it your will? Hear me, you're in a storm. Somebody's in a storm, and if you don't realize it, when you get to where you're going, you're going to realize it, and it's going to be a bit too late. I've watched people, they've been in a storm, 
they once believed the doctrine, they once believed the word of God, they're not the same today. You can see them. They don't dress the same. They don't act the same. Their Facebook shows that they could have a form of something. They have a form. They might look like it, but when you see some of the pictures, you realize, hmm, if you're really sold out and you really love Jesus, I love my wife very much. I would do anything for her but go to hell. And I pray she has the same spirit. I will give up stuff for her in a heartbeat just so because I love her. But let her walk away from God. She's on her own. I, I stick with the scripture. You know, when God brings you through something, I told one guy, I said, I'm a little OCD or a little over the top, I guess, as a child of a God, right? You know, when you go back and I look at my rocks, I don't, you know, I don't do them just to have them as uh, something to, to minister to you for. You know what they're for for me? They're to remind me of where God brought me from. And many of people forget where God brought them from. Many people forget about, oh, I was once doing drugs and now I'm not doing drugs. I was doing drugs and I should have lost my mind, but I didn't lose my mind. I, I, I was a little a bit um, promiscuous. And now I'm serving God and I don't have no disease. Can I make it real? Huh? Come on now. I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I got to make it real. Right? I once played church. In 84, huh? No, I know none of you ever played church. I played church in 84 because I was trying to, we were, I, I thought it was a way to, I, if God could make me right, you know, I could, the marriage might work, but I didn't have a right mind. So I played church. That didn't work. All that's on my rocks. I go back. I say, God, I, I, I look at him. I, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? Because I, I forget about those things. And if you don't log stuff down, you will think you've been a good child of God from the day he came into your life. You will forget what mud he brought you out of, what stinking nasty background you once had. And you need to remember where you came from to where you are now so that you can continue to be a witness unto the Savior. So there was a distance from the shore, the distance of the wind. The, I'm sorry, the disturbance of the wind was also there. In Matthew 14, 24, Mark says that the wind was against them. Just like the devil, he's against you. You ask people how to do it, I'm fine, Pastor, I'm fine. I'm doing well. I'm walking in Jesus. He's my God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't remember all the words, but to God be the glory. All I, but I'm well, I'm well. Inside you're dead. I'm putting on a front. I'm in the storm. And if I could just get past the wind of Satan, the tempest that's blowing, John tells us a great wind was blowing. The waves were crashing against the boat. Their hair was flowing in the breeze 
They were rowing and straining with all their might, and they just rowed and went nowhere. Many of children of God today clap their hands, raise their hands, and they're going nowhere. They say, I'm, I'm singing for Jesus. Yeah, wait till the real storm comes. They must have been wondering how they got into this mess. How many of you ever asked that to yourself? I have. I'm glad to see some. I pray you online people are honest and raise your hand in your house. I can't see you, so. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if you go back and go, how did I get this far away from God? How did I end up here? In this storm, how did I end up not in the presence of an almighty king? How did I end up in a place that God is no longer my focus, that Jesus is no longer my focus, that church is no longer my focus? You may not have to worry about church being your focus too long. But while church is open, you need to make church your focus to be in the house of the Lord because you cannot be saved without a pastor that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Were they at the wrong place at the wrong time? Many of us have said, I just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But they really were at the right place at the right time. Perhaps they realized in the fear of that moment that they were not there because they were out of the will of God, but they were there because they were in the will of God. See, sometimes God takes you through some storms, but it's important for you to understand, what am I to learn from this storm? And if you keep repeating those storms, you have to, you have to ask yourself, who's the common denominator of this storm? Self. Not God. Right? If I haven't learned from the first storm, there's something wrong with me. You all might, you all might like get it after the first one. Sometimes God gotta take me through a storm, not once, but twice. Sometimes I've been in it three times. I'm not striking out no more. I'm just done. Right? I go, okay, God. Right? But the question is, how many of you realize that you're in that storm? And are willing to say, okay, God. Let me do what I need to do. Let me back away and let you be in charge of this storm. Mark, Matthew 14, 25 said the fourth watch was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It was in the dark of the night. They could bar barely see their hand in front of their face. They couldn't see the, sea the shoreline, and they had no guidance. There was no stars to guide them. It was pitch black out there on the water. Perhaps you are in the middle of a storm this day. And like those weary disciples, you don't know which way to turn. You've been in a position, and, and you're, you're one of the children. You, you, can know, you, you can know that nothing gets to you without it first coming through Jesus. He either causes it or he allows it. And through the storm and through that storm, he's either perfecting you or he's correcting you. I mean, when the winds are blowing and you don't know which way to turn, 
the, de the Savior departed. The dilemma was that the saints were there, and then we talk about the deliverance from the storm. Don't think that their deliverance began on the sea. It really began on the shore. Where did he go? He got away to pray. While they were out there toiling, and um, they were afraid. They were unassured of what their outcome would be that night. Jesus was praying. Where was Jesus during all this? He was in the mountain. Mark 6, 46 tells us that he was praying. Don't realize, don't you realize that in the middle of the storm that Jesus has you on his prayer list? <laughs> I'm so grateful to him. You know, many a days I get to the place and I feel like, God, I am. I don't know who, why you even spend time with me and waste time with me. But yet he shows up when I begin to pray and when I begin to seek his face and I begin to meditate on the word of God. And I begin to pray. And I begin to focus on the one that calms the sea, the one that calms the storm, the one that gives me direction. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore he is able also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews tells us that he lives to make intercession for you and I. Jesus is praying for you and you're rowing and straining and struggling through the storm. And so let me ask you something. Could they see Jesus on the mountain praying? No. Your family doesn't see you praying for them. Your pastor doesn't see you praying for your pastor. Your pastor doesn't see you praying for one another. Your pastor doesn't see you praying for those on Facebook that are lost. And I'm not to judge. I'm just, so forgive me if you think I'm judging. I'm just saying that when you, you know, the only judge is Jesus Christ. But there's things that we do. You know, you've got to watch what you put out on Facebook. I'm just going to tell you, I've said this many a times, you need to watch what you post on Facebook. You can't, be the, you can't be the salt and the light to this world if you post stupid stuff out there. I'm just going to tell you, I don't care what your political beliefs are, I don't care what you believe. You can't be a soul winner when you paste all kinds of junk out there on Facebook. Because you don't know, you might be trying to witness to a, a Republican. And if you're a Democratic person... They're going to be like, I ain't, I'm not listening to you. I've watched your Facebook stuff. We've got evangelists that got all wired out there. I wouldn't bring them into my church. They posted too much garbage. My job's not to be about the government. My job's to be about the kingdom of God. What God's doing in the kingdom of God. Right? That's, that's what your job and my job are to be disciples of Christ and to worry about those that are lost. Those that were down there climbing, those that were a part of the Black Lives Matter, that were tearing down statues and destroying stuff, right? And the people that were going into the uh, uh, the uh, the capital or the where, the the capital. We need to pray. Those people need Jesus. Every one of these parties profess Jesus, but they. If you're a disciple of Christ. I have not seen one apostolic. Let me just put it to you straight. I have not seen an apostolic 
person arrested for defaming the property or anything. I'm just telling you. Because the Holy Ghost in you goes, that's just not right. I'm just saying. The Holy Ghost corrects you. Like That would be like me walking in and taking a pen and scarring the whole wall after everybody done painted this church. Taking spray paint or a bucket of paint and walk down this aisle and pour paint all over the floor. Because I don't want y'all come in here and take a, paint, a bucket of paint, throw it over the cross in the front. That looked like something Jesus would do. The only time Jesus got angry was when they were selling in his temple. Only time you see him turning things over and throwing things around. Every other time he was ministering to people. They could hardly see their hand in front of their face. They couldn't see Jesus, but Jesus could see them. And Jesus sees you today. He sees you in your struggle. If you stayed online long enough, you're, you're getting to where I'm going. He sees you in the struggle, and he sees you in your sorrows. He sees you in your straining. And just as his prayer protected them, they will protect you and I. Matthew 14, 26, Mark 6, 49, and John 6, 19 say this. When you find yourself in the eye of the storm, that is the time that you will see Jesus. You say, Pastor... Is Jesus close enough to see me in my storm? I would say yes. I tell you, Jesus sees you right where you are. Yes, he, does. he knows whether you or I are lukewarm or not warm or cold. He knows whether or not we're online and we truly love God or we don't love God. He knows whether we truly love God sitting in this church or don't love God. He knows whether, my, whether I have overridden his will right now and went my will he knows everything about you and I. Isaiah 43, 2 says, It is the storms that should drive you into the word of God. It is the storms that should remind you of the presence of God. Ephesians 1, Paul tells us here that everything is under his feet, including your storm. Now, can you, can you drown as long as your head is above water? No. In closing, to look at this storm, what threatened to be over their head was under their feet. And whatever seems to be over your head today, you can know that it is actually under your feet. If you allow the Lord to be in the middle of it. So they saw Jesus. They heard Jesus. Matthew 14, 27, not only did they see Jesus, they heard him. Jesus is speaking to you this morning, if you'd stand with me. He's speaking to you this morning online and in this sanctuary through his word. Jesus is speaking to you. Some of you, Jesus has even used a friend to speak to you. Jesus has even used a loved one to speak to you. Jesus will speak to you through the Holy Ghost. So I ask you, are you listening? The Word of God said today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. My neighbor 
texted me. I never finished that story. We were talking. I had remi- I told everybody in the neighborhood to be cautious that night. And when I never heard back from this one neighbor, I, I reached out to him and I said, man, are you okay? I didn't know if he broke in his house and got him. I mean, you know what I mean? He said, oh, thank you for the warning, he said, but I'm, I'm very ill. Would you mind taking me to the hospital? And the first thing came through my mind is you're that ill and you can't drive because he said he couldn't drive. Why don't you call 911? You know? But I didn't say nothing. I um, quickly texted him back and said, look, I'm on my way home, coming through Waldorf. And um, just let me drop some stuff off the house and I'll come get you. I go in, tell my wife, I did what they said. I doubled my mask. I went over and got him. Carried a can of Lysol. I went over and got him. Well, you know, my wife tells me my car's pretty messy. So I couldn't fit him in the back seat. He was a bigger guy, so the back seat's pretty junky, and he couldn't fit in the back seat. And we didn't have time. He was very weak. So I let him sit in the front seat. And, then, and I'm, I'm going, God, you know, I prayed a protection, a, a protection around me. And I looked over, and this, this hand was all, this, thumb, this finger here was completely swollen and black and blue. And I said, what happened to your finger? He said, I don't know. And he pulled his pants up, and his leg was swollen really bad. I said, what happened there? He said, I, I don't know. He said, I've been passing out for a couple of days. I said, man. So I, I said, well, let's get in, you know, let's get going. He wouldn't put his seatbelt on. I wasn't going to reach over there and do all that. We just drove to the hospital, got him to the hospital, went and got a wheelchair, and I'm taking him in, and I've just been praying. I'm not praying over him because I don't know what kind of faith he even has or whether he even has a faith in God or anything like that. But I just, I begin to pray, you know, God, whatever's wrong with him, let him, let him be healed. Because in my mind, he's a soul that needs a Bible study that I could possibly be the one to give that Bible study to. Well, then I start texting that night. Uh, he said, they've admitted me. That was the last response I got. So I, I got up the next morning, I began to pray, text him, no answers, text him again, no answers, and now, you know, of course, all things go through your head, and I go, I just begin to pray, God, move and intervene. He got home this morning, and he texted me, he said, I'm home, but I'm still weak, and I said, well, thank the Lord you're home, I said, we'll, we'll pray for you today, and he said, thank you. His name's David. I want you to remember David that God would move and intervene on his behalf. I want you to know I told the Lord if I get, I'm not saying this for you all. You all don't need to say this but I'm at a place now my wife don't want to hear it and I say it to be prideful that I'm not afraid of the COVID. And I said, if he gives it to me, and he lets me die. But I am not leaving this world without trying to win souls. 
souls should be our number one priority. So if I'm not well, here, let me say this. If I'm not well in this storm, right? If I'm not well in this storm, I cannot win souls. And I can tell you this, if I'm not prayed up, what I did, if he had had COVID, what I did, I believe I could have come down with COVID just like that. He couldn't breathe. He rolled the window down, turned the AC on. He had to take his mask off. He was laboring and breathing. So I tell you, what's a soul worth to you? I know my children need God. I don't have time to play. I don't have time to gamble with come to church, maybe, maybe not come to church. Witness, pray, maybe not. I don't have time to do that. Because if you know the Word of God or if you've read anything in the Word of God, God is setting up for Him to return for the church. I know there's things that have to be put in place. I know a temple has to be built. I know a peace treaty has to be signed. But you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've watched them build restaurants in 30 days. You don't think they could build the temple in 30 days? Peace treaty only takes a minute to sign. And I know if I'll be a mind, if I'll be mindful about other people's souls, God will keep my family. And maybe they'll return before he comes back. That's all I can hope for. That's all I can hope for. I want them saved, but you know what? I, I can't save them. The only thing I have to be grateful for is we raised them enough in the house of God that they know the gospel. They know the word of God. If they lose out with God, if Jesus comes back tonight at 12 o'clock and they have gambled their souls away, People are doing things. They're not even putting God in the picture. They don't even ask God, should I do this? Huh. It grieves me to tell you that if he came back tonight, that my children and my grandchildren, now I might be saved under the, the ability of right and wrong with the grands because they... Haven't been enough, maybe, I don't know, you know, you make excuses sometimes. I don't want to see my children, I certainly don't want to see my grandchildren lost. But I have to come to a place, God, they're in your hands. You're, you're, I have lived a life, I've tried to be an example. And if they haven't seen the goodness of God from being an example of living for God, sacrificially, living for God. When I didn't want to come, I came to the house of God before I was a pastor. <clears throat> Sacrificially gave to the ministry. And they don't see God's glory and his blessings on my life. They're in God's hands. People, if they would be real, they would say, I do see myself in a storm. 
I'll see myself in that storm today. If they be willing to set pride away and set pride aside. I'm, I'm going to tell you, none of us are getting out of this world without Jesus in our life. I watched a guy online. I'm in this. I'm closing, okay? I'm closing. I watched a guy online preach a tremendous message out on a street corner. I mean, he preached. I was amening him until he got to the end. And he said, everybody that wants to be saved, raise your hand. People all around that street corner. He was talking about the pandemic. Everybody raised their hand. They wanted to be saved. But the man lacked truth. He said, say this prayer after me. Not once did he, did he say that they needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. <laughs> Not once did he say that they needed to have the infilling of God's Holy Spirit, which is biblical. I immediately got on there. I said, you've missed the whole point. You were good until you got to the prayer. You were fantastic until you got to the prayer. And I said this. I said, and those souls are on your head because you left them without all the truth. And I said, say in a Prayer is not even biblical. That man and that woman should have asked God to forgive them themselves, not repeating a word after a man. When God's people to stand, you're not afraid. There is no fear, but you've got to take a stand. If you really believe the word of God, I'm just going to tell the online church and the people in this building right now, if you truly believe the word of God, you've got to take a stand. Let me tell you something. There is, a, there is a harvest coming. Some of us will be a part of that harvest. Some of us will. But because of the fear of this virus, and I, I know people say, well, I'm waiting until I get my shot. Fine. I don't, that's fine. But by the time people get back, they will be so far in a storm, they will not be effective in this altar. They will only see the harvest, but not be a part of the harvest. The storm is here. The question is, is are you willing to... Let the Lord bring you out of your storm and be the disciple that you're to be. When I was young, I said, oh, I got plenty of time. I can tell you what I told this gentleman right here. He preached, Jesus is coming. There's a rapture coming. I remember going, I got plenty of time. I'm going to live my riotous life. I'm going to I'm going to get what Alan wants out of this world. Now that I'm serving God, I preach the very same message. But I can tell you now, I see the signs that Bishop was warning the church about 40 years ago. The signs are here. 
And my Bible tells me that when you see the signs, to begin to look up, for whence my redemption draweth nigh. That means the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. You can live the righteous life. You can stay in the storm all you want. But the day of the return of the Lord is coming. And whether my life is right with God or not will not dictate whether he returns or not. He's coming. The, the, ten, foolish, the, the, the ten brides, five wise, five foolish, need to end. God, help me. You need to go back to the Bible and you need to read about them ten brides. They thought they were all going to be able to be in the wedding. They thought they would be a part of the bridegroom. And what happened? They found they didn't have enough oil. And if you understand the oil, it's a type and shadow of the Holy Ghost. Mm. I speak to the online church and I speak to the church in body. The storm, if you're not careful, has taken your light. It has destroyed your fire. You become so distant from God that you don't even know how to weep before the Lord. He's been saying, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He said, I'm the one that gives you life and gives it to you more abundantly. I'm the one that walks with you through every storm and you don't even know I'm with you. Maybe this wasn't the message you thought that was coming. But God is dealing with your heart. God is talking to people's hearts. I'm begging you. I'm begging you as a shepherd that if there be any pride in, in you that's keeping you from coming to an altar and laying down stuff that needs to be laid down. Some of you have made decisions that are going to affect your future tremendously. You will not be able to get it back once you move past and you step into that where you're going. It will not return the way you think it's going to return. It will become void and dark. And you won't know, you will, you'll find yourself in a dark storm where you can't see nothing. You ever been in a house or a room at nighttime that you can't see no daylight coming in and no lights? You, 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 you try to walk around with your hands like this so that when you bump, you can protect yourself. That darkness is where we are right now. And Jesus is coming back for people right now. He's, he's calling you. He's saying, I'm trying to be in your storm. I'm trying to walk in your storm. I'm trying to get you back into my presence. I'm calling you. I'm drawing you. I'm ministering to you. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Jesus is calling right now. Some of you have made wrong decisions, but God is able to forgive them and restore what the canker worm has destroyed. In Jesus' name, the altar is open if you'd like to come. Hallelujah.